This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, listen, uh, we've been in the summer uh, summer series. Uh, we've had some excellent uh, people coming to share uh, the gospel. Uh, we've been particularly focusing on our church uh, core values. And so Christopher Williams, come on up. He's going to be sharing. Again, he's one of our elders. And let's give him a nice warm welcome. Well, that's quite a transition. Um, thank you, Brian. And uh, we, greetings to Cecile. Um, well, today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And... It's a really big subject because he's um, part of the Trinity. It's a pretty big, important responsibility that we understand and relate to. Um, so let's just pray first. Father, we just want to thank you for this time to be with you. We ask that you open our eyes and um, our hearts to be able to see and to hear your word. The revelation of the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity, the communication that you have, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we will have um, just a new ability to relate to you, to relate to your Holy Spirit, and to know, oh God, uh, just practically, day to day, um, how it is that we serve you, uh, follow you, and indeed bring the Holy Spirit into everything that we do and say in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so just a couple of words. Um, the Spirit is present in the Old Testament. We're not really going to focus on the Old Testament part of the Spirit today, but just a few examples. The Spirit's present at creation. He provided um, people strength for specific tasks. Um, there are aspects of God's word being spoken, promotion of holiness, um, indwelling, empowering, and, and a final thing which is most important in terms of the New Testament part of it is that uh, the Holy Spirit was um, speaking and pointing to Messiah. And so the person of the Trinity has been around, the Holy Spirit of the Trinity, um, but let's look at some of the specific things from the New Testament. So we're, we're kind of going to go a lot through um, some passages in John and Acts and 1 Corinthians and Galatians. This is by no means everything you can learn about the Holy Spirit, but just a few focused things to help us as a church understand how the Holy Spirit um, helps us as part of our core values and just learning, um, again, how do we dialogue and work with the Holy Spirit regularly. So starting in John 14, uh, verse 15, the word says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. So important things about the Holy Spirit from this passage are we're told we're going to have a helper. Um, a Greek word for that is paraclete, um, which I love, because it's one who comes alongside. I often think of it in terms of um, gardening as one of my things I like to do on the side. 
And I love it when people want to come help because it's like, oh, there's companionship, relationship. It's not just me and the invasive exotics, you know? So it's kind of a, a joy to when you have that paraclete. Um, but then another thing that's kind of important here is that it, it says clearly the world cannot receive him, but he abides with us due to salvation in Christ. And so it's a, you know, I think we often get this picture, it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit moves and touches everybody. Well, yes, at certain levels, because that's also part of what the Holy Spirit does, is to bring people to a knowledge of the Son and of the Father. But there's a real um, picture here of him indwelling and being with us and living in us. And uh, that's something that as Christians we shouldn't take lightly. Uh, John continues in verse 25 of the same chapter. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So here we have this picture of the Holy Spirit as teacher. So bringing to remembrance everything that Jesus has said. Now at this point, the context of John 14 and 15, which are where some of our initial scriptures come from, this was kind of Jesus' last teachings to his disciples. He was preparing them for, by the way, I, you know I'm going away, right? You know, that wasn't really in their minds yet. They, you know, they just were like, hey, I'm with Jesus, and I think they probably were still picturing this amazing life together with him for some period of time. But that's not what was to happen. And so this importance of a remembrance that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal and recall to them all that he has said, the things of the Father, um, of the Word, and the Scriptures. Or what I might just say is the things of God. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher in that regard. Um, I'm letting the scriptures speak a lot today, so um, I'm just going to be reading, but it's okay. God is good, and he knows how to speak through his word better than I do. <clears throat> so starting in John uh, 15, 26, and going through John 16, 15. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, in that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do, because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So we see a lot of different pictures here of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we see that interconnectedness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. Again, really important. Um, I went ahead and kept the scriptures in the beginning of chapter 16 together because it also paints that picture. We talk about the Holy Spirit as the comforter. Well, those aren't very comforting words when you see an hour comes when everyone who kills you thinks that he's offering service to God. Okay. So let's be honest. Um, you know, we just have to know who is our father. Where is our identity? Um, much like Cecile was talking about in her testimony. And so this comforter, this knowing um, that we have one who does guide us, guiding is a little further down here. But let's also talk about another word because it's important for us and for the world because the Holy Spirit is the convictor. The Holy Spirit convicts the world because of sin and Jesus says it's because they do not believe in me. Not me, but Jesus. And the important word here then is, okay, the Holy Spirit helps create and define those who are with God, those who are not with God. This is an either or statement. And then he says specifically, um, judgment in relation to righteousness. This is because at this point, the disciples, all they've known is following Jesus, following their teacher, following the one that in Jewish culture, it was very much someone that you follow and you learn from. Well, Jesus knows he's going away. Well, if he's going away, then there has to be some way for them to continue to learn and to know and to understand what it is that they're following. And so in this case, um, the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. He is going to be that way that the disciples will continue to know that they are following the right path and the path of truth and not the path of error. Um, and then of judgment. And this is kind of complex and we won't go there. If you really want more detail, I recommend Revelation 20. But it says that the ruler of this world has been judged. Um, and we thank God for his grace that our judgment is seen as the blood of Christ. And we're thankful for that. And so the other word that comes up with the Holy Spirit is guide. Um, I think of it uh, do any of you like to travel? Okay, good. So have you ever had a guide on your travels? Does the guide just say, hey, thanks so much for paying me all this money. Here's a list of sites. Go enjoy them. No. The guide comes alongside, remember that paraclete, and says, this is what you should know about this location, or these are important facts and information about the historical context. So the Holy Spirit isn't just giving a list of truth about God, but he's actually relating and speaking and leading us to the things that we need to know. And so this is why when we talk about this concept of guide, um, it's so important that we distinguish 
guidance of the Holy Spirit from some of the guidance that we can receive from the world which is not of God. So, um, in case you didn't know, we are in Assemblies of God, therefore we are a Pentecostal church, so we do have to talk about Acts 1 and 2. <clears throat> um, we won't stay there very long because we have to get to the applied end of the sermon because that's what you're all waiting for, right? Good. Okay, so Acts 1 verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We're not going to read on in that short section, but needless to say, Jesus gets taken to heaven, and the two men in white said that he would return just as he had gone away. So that's another important aspect of encouragement to us. Um, and then we see in Acts 2, starting at the beginning of the chapter, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distribu distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. All right. So there's a lot of ways you could go with discussions of the Holy Spirit at this point. Um, but today is not really a time for a full disclosure of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how those operate. But I want to speak specifically not to the motivational or ministry gifts, but just manifestation gifts. Because in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon the people. So this is one of those things where we can see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit acting. In much the same way, we as Christians need to be aware of and recognize what are those works that the Holy Spirit continues to do in our own lives. And so we will briefly read we will not try to expound upon any of these because, like I said, this morning is not the time for a complete laying out of how this all functions. But I think it's important that we see this scripture and just have it related in the context of uh, this core value related to the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink one spirit. 
So I think sometimes there can be a confusion thinking, oh, that you know, all these different things, they're coming from multiple sources. No. Um, how many of you have a one-dimensional personality? Good. I'm really glad to hear that. In the same way, the Holy Spirit, being a member of the Trinity of God, has a vast personality that we can never tap or understand or even comprehend all of it. So in much the same way, the Holy Spirit has all of these different gifts and ways that they are portrayed. Again, we won't go into it today, but each one of you has been made individually by God with certain things in your personality. And that personality then changes a bit of the spicing or flavoring in terms of how those gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest through you. So this is a good thing. This isn't something that should scare us. We actually want God to work through us because we know that in our flesh, there's nothing good that we can do. We need to be able to touch the lives of others. We need him to touch our lives because we know that we're desperate. It's like, Lord, I can't do this apart from you. So again, these are good things. We shouldn't see these as something negative um, in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> okay, so application. There are a lot of different areas where Paul and others talk about the Spirit, but we're specifically going to go to Galatians 5 and 6. Uh, Galatia is a region. Uh, it's currently in the southern central part of Turkey. Um, it's interesting. It was an area that was actually named because there were people from Gaul that had come and settled there. So it was actually a series of assemblies, not just one church. Um, and uh, they were in themselves kind of outsiders because they weren't from there originally. Um, so it's also an interesting story within that in terms of the church there. Um, but we're going to start at verse 13 in chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, that sounds really familiar in our core values discussions from a couple of weeks ago. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. I'm just going to say I'm really grateful. I don't feel bitten or devoured when I come here. So thank you all. <clears throat> I believe that God is continuing to work through us. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, very important word here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And my favorite line of this entire passage, against such things there is no law. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. <clears throat> so this is where we try to get to the application. <clears throat> it's really important to understand the next part of what we're going to read, to have the clear picture that fruits reveal who is in control of our lives. Are we seeing things in our lives from the first list? Or are we seeing things in our lives from the second list? I propose to you, if you see a lot of things from the first list, this is a wonderful time to confess to one another the ways that we sin, the need for repentance that we have, because the reality is we want to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. If those fruits in our lives are those positive, wonderful, good things, does that mean I rejoice in myself? Absolutely not. I rejoice in God, the one who plants them in me, and through him, they are able to come out. And so this is, again, a place of understanding that relationship. I'm receiving. Am I receiving from a good source, a true source, or am I receiving from a false source? I want to receive from a true source, which then produces good fruit. I don't like bad fruit in my life. I know people around me don't like bad fruit in my life. Who of you goes to the grocery store and picks up the rotten cantaloupe? Right, okay. So we want to see and experience and taste good fruits. Not just for our benefit, but the benefit of all those around us. <clears throat> so here's the application. And it comes in uh, Galatians 6. The short take at the title here says, Bear One Another's Burdens. Hmm. Bearing One Another's Burdens. That sounds really simple. <clears throat> it's a lot more complicated. And honestly, when I read this passage, I'm actually asking each one of you to chew on and feast on this later because there is so much in these 10 verses, I honestly hardly know where to begin, other than the fact that it is really important that we judge ourselves properly before God, because when we know who we are in relation to him, we are less likely to boast of ourselves in front of or at the expense of others because we will recognize who we truly are and the fact that any greatness that we have is because of the one that we serve and the one who has bought us at a very heavy price. And so I just um, think of this passage as kind of like the model home. Have any of you ever been to a new neighborhood and you're trying to figure out, do I want to live here or not? Okay, so much the same way, this is a framework. It's the idea of what's possible. It's the way that the church is supposed to walk if we're following the Holy Spirit. And so keep that picture in mind as I read. And this actually is our closing. <clears throat> Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. Um, just a note there, we each go before judgment. It's not us, it's each. So this is an important part of then how does that function as the body. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Remember the first list that we read in chapter 5. <clears throat> but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Remember the second list that we read from chapter 5. <clears throat> Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And this is the conclusion. Because it's the reality of if we know who we are, and if we know who we belong to, then we can do all things. We do all things by Christ, in Christ, who strengthens us. <clears throat> and so we are compelled in this way. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The truth is the message is simple. Um, but as humans, how much do we get in the way of the simple message? And we need Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit to be that teacher, the guide, the one who draws us into all truth, to know the truth. We know we have been set free. Do we not want to see others also set free? And that's the function that first happens here in the church as we encourage and strengthen and edify one another. But that is the basis and the framework for how we then minister to all of those around us that don't know Jesus, that don't have the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth and to um, know how to truly live and to truly be set free. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> we thank you that your words, though they are simple, we, we just ask forgiveness for where we make it complicated. We ask forgiveness, too, for where we too many times um, are listening to too many different voices when the voice we need to hear is yours. The one we need to know is your Holy Spirit. We need to know your word. We need to know that all of these, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and your scriptures are coming together and showing us what is right, what is good, what is true, what is noble, what is honorable. And so may our faith be simple, to trust you, to learn from you, and to know you. Um, and may we all have just a deeper and greater revelation of your Holy Spirit and the beauty that you have um, brought forth in and of yourself in the Trinity.
uh, for us to glorify and praise your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Dr. Christopher. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.